0: the Beulah Girl Podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Beulah Girl Podcast. I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. I'm so excited about tonight's episode. If I could just sum up the entire site that this uh, podcast is coming out of, BeulahGirl.com, the mission and the vision of the site it would be best summed up in tonight's podcast episode, which is about healing women of low self-worth. If you're someone listening who you just feel like you've been stripped of your value because of a situation in your life, or you just struggle with feelings of inferiority or insecurity, you feel like you're less than other people, or you've just been through a situation where it has just rocked your sense of worth and value then this episode is definitely for you and I'm again so excited to be sharing it with you and this is why I started the site that I did. I just mentioned BeulahGirl.com. It's the reason I started the blog to begin with is that I very much felt called by God to give a message to women about their worth and to help heal areas where they felt less than or rejected. In addition, we'll also be talking a little bit about in tonight's episode, talking about not only healing low self-worth, but really where our worth comes from. And just the idea that we can heal our low self-worth by really understanding who we are and what worth we have in Christ. Now my husband teaches high school health and I was looking at a textbook of his some time ago and I was just interested again because I blog about topics like self-esteem and emotions and things like that. I was interested in some of what his high school health book was putting out there to high school students. So I looked at the section on self-esteem and one of the things that it said in that section was that people who suffer from low self-esteem or just feelings of unworthiness should focus on things they are good at and things they like about themselves. So they, you know, the book suggested that students make a list of traits that they like about themselves, things that they feel they're, they're good at, talents and abilities. And my thought when I was reading this that was that of course this is a good practice in that, you know, it helps students to think positively about themselves. Many students in high school in particular, focus you know focus only on negative things about themselves. Many students in high school just do not like themselves. In fact, many of them hate themselves and they are caught up in na- negative self-talk and self-hatred. So an exercise like this can be positive in that it, it helps them focus on not the negative, not the things, their failures, mistakes, or perceived inadequacies, but instead focus on things that they do like about themselves, so that's good. However, Such an exercise is limited in that it encourages students to think about their worth in terms of what they look like and in terms of what they do because they're just listing out you know, talents they like about themselves, traits that they like about their physical appearance. And while both our appearance and our abilities contribute to who we are and our overall makeup, we feel better about ourselves not when we focus on ourselves, our external qualities or even looking internally as an end to itself, we feel better about ourselves when we truly understand that our worth doesn't come from ourselves, but from God. And certainly God has bestowed on us talents and abilities to make us effective in his kingdom. He's made us look a certain way. And that, again, as I mentioned, contributes to our overall makeup. But if we take God out of the equation, then it's a limited exercise because we can't understand how much worth we truly have without understanding first where we come from and how much God truly loves us. To truly have a better self-image or feel worthy, we have to understand who God has made us to be and how much he loves us. Um, Some time ago, I guess it's probably about two years now ago, I was working on a project and it's a project, uh, basically a study on self-worth that I'm not quite finished with, um, but I was working on some passages for this particular study and i was looking in genesis and i came across this idea when i was studying genesis and it was very simple but it was along the same vein and it really just took my breath away it was something that i really hadn't thought about before but the idea came across in some of the commentary i read as related to genesis and the fact that god created us and so forth is this was the idea to know ourselves we must first know god and this blew me away because in much of what i had read before it seemed like you know to know yourselves you look within you search yourself and i'm not saying that self-reflection is bad or that we shouldn't do um, some self-searching at times but the problem comes in when we self-search with with god nowhere in the picture and that's what you'll see a lot of times in secular articles and I think there's a lot of value in some of those articles. I read, you know, not only Christian articles, but I also peruse secular psychology articles and so forth. And there is some value in the ideas that are presented in some of those articles. Um, However, the secular side attempts to take God out of the equation. And when we do that, we can't truly come to know and love ourselves Uh, unless we seek God because as we seek God this happens when we come to know him we become more aware of who we are how much value we have we become a certain aware of certain biblical passages that talk about his love for us and you know as we come to know him we better understand how loved we are and being loved or unloved is really at the heart of our problems with worth if you're someone listening and you just say you know what I don't feel loved I don't feel valuable, I don't feel confident. It probably stems from some sort of situation in your life currently, or perhaps in your past. People who have made, you know, have made uh, maybe just choices, Um, they've rejected you, they mistreated you, poor choices that have caused you to get the message that you shouldn't be here and that no one wants you here, no one likes you, no one loves you, and you just feel completely unloved. And it's in understanding how much God truly loves us that we can begin to feel good about ourselves no matter what our situation in life. A book I read some time ago, I've actually read it twice. It's called Living Free, and it's by a pastor. His name is Mike Riches. He pastors a church in my hometown of Gig Harbor, Washington. And the the church he pastors is just a non-denominational church. It's called Harbor View Fellowship, but he has written a book called Living Free and he has a lot of materials and he has a passion for helping people live as the New Testament apostles in that power and really live in spiritual freedom in their life. And so one of the points he makes in his in his book, he talks about as Christians how we were made to love and be loved by God and we were because we're made by a God of love and we're made to love others and be loved we thrive in an environment of love and respect. When we are given godly love, we flourish because those experiences set in a person value worth significance and security. However, if we don't live in such an environment to the degree that love is not in our environment or wasn't in, you know, for instance, when we're growing up or so forth, we will lack a sense of value and will live, live with feelings of insignificance and insecurity because if we live in such an environment or have had those experiences of rejection we will be severely damaged at the core of who we are however it's when we walk with god and begin to understand his love for us that we can truly begin to feel complete no matter what our past has been no matter what our current circumstances uh, one of the verses Mike Riches uses is Ephesians 3:18 through 20, and it says in this verse, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Again, what it's it's saying in that verse is that that sense of completeness comes when we are able to understand how much God truly loves us. And you may be a Christian listening to this saying, you know what, I've walked with God a long time and I still don't feel loved. What's wrong with me? Well, I'm just going to tell you to hang on for a minute and, you know, just give this podcast episode, you know, time to, um, you know, continue and give me time to kind of complete my thoughts here because I was one of those Christians who for many years struggled to feel God's love. And that was because I had, you know, experienced rejection and injustices and abuse in my past in various relationships. And so it it was very difficult for me to grasp that God could love me because I didn't really feel that I was lovable more than anyone could love me. And those were lies that I was um believing, but it tells us in this verse and in other places in scripture it tells us that God loved us before we even came to Christ. So whether you're a Christian listening to this or whether you haven't yet accepted Jesus as your savior, God loves his people. He loved us before we became believers. He loved us as sinners. It says in the Bible that Um, Jesus came while we are still sinners um, to die for us because that's the kind of love that the Father has for us. It isn't based on what we do. It's an unconditional love and he certainly doesn't want us to stay in places of sin or stay lost and not come to him but he loves us even when we're far away from him and he loves us even despite our extremely bad choices. So getting back to then if you're reading, you know, if you're listening to this or, you know, you clicked on this because you were reading my blog post that corresponds with this on beulagirl.com, maybe, you know, as I'm talking, you can recall, you know, life experiences that hurt you badly. um, Or you can even think about right now, something you're struggling with right now. These rejections or abuses can create what Riches calls wounds of love deprivation. And these are places that if we're not careful, if they happened long ago and we never dealt with them properly and we're still festering, you know, they're still festering in our life or they're happening now and we're just, you know, not sure what to do. These can become easy open doors for Satan to gain, gain access into our lives if we're not careful. From the time that we're young, according to Mike Riches, Satan attempts to get us to believe lies of rejection, abandonment, and fear Because if he can do that, he can get a foothold in our lives. If we believe that we are unloved and unimportant, this absence of love creates the perfect environment for his schemes. Now, you may be listening to this and wonder, well, how is it that Satan can get territory in our life if we belong to Christ? If you are a believer, your soul has been, uh, I'm sorry, your spirit, I believe there are three parts to every human. Your spirit has been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Satan cannot possess your spirit. He cannot have access to your spirit, but he can certainly oppress your mind, your will, and your emotions if you give him access. And um, this is different. So you can be oppressed by Satan, but cannot be possessed by Satan if you are a believer. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. What it's talking about as far as a foothold is that word foothold in the Greek is actually tapos and it means territory. So when we react, when we're angry because of a rejection that's happened to us or a Injustice of some kind, maybe someone dumped us in a relationship or treated us poorly, or maybe we had parents who were verbally or physically abusive, or maybe we were, you know, molested as a child or some other abuse or injustice that's been done to us. Maybe we've just been ignored by peers in school or laughed at because of a, you know, what other people have considered a physical defect in us. They've maybe laughed at us because we're too short or too too heavy or too thin. Whatever the case, being angry about that injustice isn't wrong or sinful, but it's in that place of anger where if we don't resolve that anger, if we don't forgive the people who hurt us, we don't attempt to process through that hurt with the Holy Spirit. If in turn, we, we sin in our anger, we turn to ungodly responses to the wounds that have been done to us, Satan can gain access, a foothold in our lives. And, and again, this doesn't mean that we're no longer Christians or that we can't hear from God or that we can't worship God, but this means that we aren't spiritually free in the sense that we have bondage in our life. We have obstacles that have been created because of our wrong responses to the injustices that have been done to us. And it can make us very ineffective Christians because we're tormented by sinful um, thoughts and sinful behavior patterns. And we might even you know, just eventually get so ingrained in our sinful behavior, we might even turn our back on God. We may just be so angry because of the wounds that have been done to us that we may just give up on our relationship with God. And that's exactly what Satan wants. So I've been talking about wrong thoughts and responses. um, But these, you know, so what are these exactly? Well, they can vary, but perhaps if we have experienced rejection, we may begin to allow unhealthy thoughts to play in our head, such as, I'm not lovable, no one can ever love me, I'm different than everyone else, I will just have to be alone. Or we might be saying something like, if God really loved me, he wouldn't have allowed this to happen, he must hate me. These are thoughts that directly contradict what it says in scripture about how much God loves us, how much he pays attention to us, how much he cares about every detail of our lives. And they directly go against what God says about us and about our lives in scripture. How he, again, in scripture, it talks about how God is sovereign and that everything he allows in our life is for a reason and he can be trusted. He's a God of love. And so when those are erected, those lies are erected in our thoughts, um, that those become strongholds in our life. And stronghold not in, to get into a huge long explanation, but the best way that I can explain a stronghold is um, I read a book called Breaking Free by Beth Moore and she had gives such an excellent definition of strongholds in that book. She talks about strongholds are places of refuge that we turn to often in times of insecurity when someone's rejected us, we turn to we look for a place of comfort. Now A stronghold is actually a term that was used to describe like a fortress back in the day. Like, for instance, in a Greek city or so forth, they would have a fortress or stronghold out in another place in the vicinity. And this was a place that if the city was under attack, the governor could flee to this stronghold, this place of safety. And it was a highly fortified place. It was up high, fortified, so the enemy could not penetrate it and he would be safe. And similarly, as Beth Moore explains in her book, when we are under attack, when someone is, you know, through their actions or their words are giving us the impression we have no value, we are attempting to protect ourselves in any way that we can. And so often we flee to a stronghold. Uh, We start erecting thoughts that, like I just mentioned, and they may not, you may not think of those thoughts as being comforting, but those thoughts can be those that are helping you cope with your situation. Or you may turn to some kind of behavior, something that's gonna make you feel better. So every time that you begin to feel rejected or remember the wounds that have been done to you, you might you know, turn to a substance like drinking to make you feel better. Or you may just go shopping so you can just get your mind off of it and get some new clothes to make yourself feel better and it becomes a way to cope. Or maybe you just become a relationship junkie where you just are turning to relationships to fill what you feel is a void in your life, to make you feel better about yourself and you're just hopping from one romantic relationship to the other, even though you know they're not really doing good things for you, but it's just a way to cope with the pain. Those can all be strongholds that are basically places of refuge apart from God. So, you know, some people say, you know, it's not important to look at worth, it's not important to really look at self-esteem as as, as Christians, but one of the things, going back to Mike Rich's book that he says, it's a biblical and valid concern for us to address the need for human beings um, to realize their significance, worth and value, so that we can understand how to react correctly to rejection and abuse, and not allow the enemy to gain territory or, you know, uh, so we don't erect strongholds that that are obstacles in our spiritual life. However, if you're listening to this and you've already reacted wrongly to injustice or abuse in your life, it's not too late. We can recover what the enemy has stolen from us. We can take back that territory and we take it back by putting in place truth Um, One of the things Beth Moore talks about in her book, Breaking Free, is just putting up in the place of the lies that are fueling that stronghold. We put in that place truth. So for instance, if we're lying, you know, believing lies about our worth and we're not good enough, we can begin speaking God's truth over us and tearing down the lies that are fueling that. And that's how we begin to get um, freedom and to break those strongholds that are controlling us. The truth is that many of us don't understand how our wrong responses to the rejection in our lives have put us in bondage. As Mike Riches talks about in Living Free, we go through life thinking that we are victims without taking responsibility for how we've reacted wrongly. Many of us are just so ingrained in the idea that we're a victim and this horrible, awful thing has happened to us, and it may have been horrible and terrible. I absolutely believe some of you listening have gone through... Tragedies have gone through abuses um, and mistreatment. And my heart hurts for you that you've gone through those. However, we don't have to remain in that place of being a victim. And when we choose to have the right reaction to our pain, then that's when we can have freedom. However, again, many of us, we employ wrong coping mechanisms to compensate, and it just again makes us subject to strongholds, um, to bondage in our lives. And I've mentioned a few wrong responses, but in particular with coping mechanisms, refugees of comfort, maybe turning to another relationship, and so forth. The Bible tells us that fleshly coping mechanisms, that they don't get us anywhere. It tells us in John 6, 63, that the the flesh profits nothing. What happens when we turn to a relationship or we turn to a substance or we turn to wrong thinking patterns to comfort ourselves in our pain rather than God, what happens is that we're essentially basing our worth and what we feel about ourselves on exterior factors, And when those things crumble, we essentially will crumble too because we're basing who we are on the wrong things. So if we're basing how we feel about ourselves on a relationship or someone's reaction to us, or we're basing how we feel, um, you know, we have to go shopping to feel good about ourselves, or we, you know, um, have to have that drink at night to just calm ourselves. When we start turning to those things as a refuge, then if, you know, those things can become idols in our life. They control us. We no longer control them. That's one. And then two, if those things, you know, eventually will fail us, um, you know, alcohol can't save us from our pain. It 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 won't take away the pain. It may numb it for a little bit, but it won't take it away, it won't heal us. Um, a relationship won't solve our self-worth problems. Um, and that relationship may be taken away or that person may fail us at some point. Or if it's a job where we're just becoming a workaholic to work and prove to everyone we're worthy, whatever it is, if we're basing our worth on exterior factors, they will fail us eventually despite our best efforts. Um, the Bible tells us that a wise man built his house on a rock and the foolish man on sand. And that's Matthew 7, 24 through 27. A wise person builds his identity and sense of worth on that which can never be taken away, God and his love. Understanding that God loves us not because of anything we have done, but because of who he is and understanding he chose us to be here and live out a special purpose gives us worth. We can't attain this love or God-given worth from a stellar education, high-paying job, prominent position, large social media following, attractive physical appearance or romantic relationship, And again, we have to remember however ugly it sounds whenever we use something else other than God to be a place of refuge, then that has a potential to be an idol in our life and can lead to all sorts of other sinful behaviors. So the solution then for healing self-worth for getting back that sense of of value and feeling like we're worth something when we go through really hard life situations is knowing that our worth comes from God. It cannot be taken away by anyone or any situation. And knowing just how much, again, as I've said, how much God loves us. We are told in Genesis that we as humans were made in the image of God and he made us not as one part of his creation, but as the climax of his creation. It tells us that in Genesis 1, and 28. No mistake on our part can take away the worth that has been given to us. As followers of Jesus, we have been grafted as, as sons and daughters into the family of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are seated in the heavenly realms. We are saints. We are forgiven and considered holy and have been chosen to do God's good works. And I put up all the scripture references on my blog post on beulagirl.com to support those statements if you'd like to click on those and look them up. So we will have bad things in our life happen. Unfortunately, we live in a sinful fallen world. We will at times get get the pink slip at a job or someone else will be performing better than we are. Um, We may have a relationship breakup. We may have to suffer through the death of someone very close to us. We may have struggles in our health that make us feel, you know, like not ourselves, um, not living to our maximum potential. However, despite these obstacles, we have truths. We can speak over ourselves to remind ourselves of our position as Christ followers. If we have allowed certain rejections or injustices to give Satan a foothold in our life and establish a stronghold, we have the power through Jesus Christ to to repent and to allow him to break those areas of control that we have given to Satan and we can find freedom. To find freedom, I'm going to be talking more about this idea, especially if we've been rejected. If if we have fallen into what Mike Riches calls a cycle of rejection, where we have been rejected numerous times in our life and each time we've had an ungodly response and well, I'll talk about that more in a later episode. We can repent of the ways that we've had an ungodly response. We have to come into agreement with Jesus about the wrong responses we've had. Lord, I've had wrong thoughts in this area or I've had a wrong response. I've gossiped about this person because they've hurt me or I've you know, turned to this substance to fill what only you can fill. Whatever it is, when we identify what it is that we're turning to for comfort and refuge, and we basically come into agreement with Christ about what his word says about that area and ask him for his help. We may also have to go to others and ask them to forgive us because maybe we've acted out against them. Maybe we've been angry and lashed out and said mean things about them. Whatever the case, there may be a few steps in the process, but it's in repentance when we turn to God and say, you know what? I've messed it up. I've reacted the wrong way. Help me, Lord, to begin to react rightly to injustice and help me to heal from these wounds that he indeed will heal us. He'll help us walk in freedom. And and I encourage you to listen to the next few episodes because I'll be explaining more in detail just how to react appropriately and rightly to life's injustices. And even, you know, if we haven't in the past, how we can you know go back to those places we can find healing and we can re you know we can repent and ask forgiveness and and really find healing in those areas where we may have reacted wrongly to the things that have done with us uh, done to us um friends i just want to close by saying that i'm talking about this in topic i started the blog i did because this has been my life story um rejections injustices um and really being trapped in a cycle of rejection for most of my life and God revealed what that was and has given me incredible freedom. It's something I very much still struggle with fearing rejection, with struggling with wanting to have wrong responses to rejection. It's, it's not something that i just don't struggle with as far as, um, you know, I think all of us have a fear of rejection particularly if we faced abuse in the past, But it's something that I'm aware of and that God is really helping me find healing in. So I'm very much on the journey with you. And I share from a place of, you know, this isn't just textbook knowledge that I've read about. I've actually lived these these ideas out. They work and um, they will work for you if you apply them as well. So I hope that this this, um, episode is one that has really, really touched you. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to hear from me, you can contact me on beulagirl.com or just leave a comment on the site below the article that accompanies this. And again, stay tuned for the next few weeks because I'll be talking about steps to break free from a cycle of rejection, going more in depth in those and more about how to heal from feelings of low self-worth and past rejections. Also, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, I encourage you to consider accepting him right now. Because that's when that intimate relationship with him begins where he can step in and heal the places in your heart that have been wounded. Again, if you want more information on that, beulagirl.com. Click on the Know God. um, That is know as far as K-N-O-W. I want to know God um, tab. And you can learn a little bit more about that. Or feel free to contact me as well. Let's just pray. Dear Lord, I don't know who's listening. But Lord, if there are injustices that have been done to the people that are listening, Lord i just pray that this is a start for them today to find and begin healing that they begin the process of healing by turning to you repenting of the ways that they've maybe reacted wrongly identifying with your help the places in their lives where they've allowed those wounds to fester and grow those wounds of rejection and lord i pray this is a new day for them to begin to see themselves how you see them where they begin to get a sense of hope that they don't have to live their lives constantly under a burden of rejection and shame and condemnation that they can begin to walk in your truth and that you would help them today to begin making that step to turn or help someone else in their life if it's not them but it's someone else they they can be a shining light for someone else to help someone else recognize and know how loved and treasured and valuable they are and how much you want each person to know how much they are worth how much you gave for them that you sent your only son to die for them and this would be a day that they would be able to turn or help someone else turn and make a change as far as their thinking their behavior and how they react to other people and they would begin to walk in the freedom that you intend for us as christ followers in jesus name amen